It's the Celtics and the Raptors. So we're doing a crossover episode with Locked On Raptors right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Anything's possible. Rainy J's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. That's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making the show part of your daily routine. And thank you for making it your first listen every day. This show is free, available everywhere podcasts exist, and it's on YouTube. Please watch the show on YouTube and get every episode at LockdownCeltics.com. I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. You can buy that wherever books are sold online. Now, This is a big game. I think uh, the the Celtics-Raptors game is a huge game for the Celtics, and I'm going to explain why in a crossover episode right now with Sean Woodley of Locked On Rappers. We got together. We had a nice conversation, and uh, we got into this whole thing, which is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just the place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now, here's the conversation with me and Sean Woodley of Lockdown Raptors. All right, it's time for a little bit of Locked On crossover action. Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here, along with John Corrales, who I've long said is the only acceptable Celtics fan. John, how you doing, my friend? It's lovely to chat with you. <laughs> That's a, it's a very high bar for me to, to meet. <laughs> Uh, very happy to be uh, chatting with you again. It's been a little while, but mm-hmm. uh, here we are back. No, you know, no reason to get into anything in the past. Just want to focus directly <laughs> on the future. Well, we, we we could talk about the game from the first week of the season if you'd like. We can dig into the intricacies of how it all broke down, the Scotty Barnes of it all. If you really want, we can. Ooh. But yeah, we don't, we don't have to necessarily if you'd like uh, to just move forward. Um, but the thing is, the Celtics haven't moved forward a ton from that game. I know they've won a couple games recently, but they're four and six. They have a negative net rating. Their, their offense is 22nd in the NBA. There's like weird vibes coming out of there. Marcus Smart's calling out Brown and Tatum because they can't pass, even though maybe that was less of a sort of like pointed remark than maybe it was out of context still certainly worth noting that it happened uh and and then you've got uh you know jalen brown being definitely traded for ben simmons in a rumor that's definitely true um the vibes are weird with the celtics team john what the hell is going on over there in boston Uh, (laughs) um a lot of kind of growing pains and um yeah it's 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 a lot with the new coach, the you know guys growing into certain roles. This is the first year where the Celtics, this group of Celtics, hasn't had a kind of main guy outside of Tatum and Brown. Like those guys were always kind of supporting a Kemba or Kyrie or even an Isaiah Thomas. 
And mm-hmm. now, now it's their, now this is their team. So this is a, a little bit of a shift. Ime Odoka is bringing in a lot of new stuff, like the, the defensive stuff that they've been trying to kind of impart on the team. He said that it might not have been natural for a lot of these guys. So the first part of the season here, definitely all of October and uh, into the early part of November here was sort of an extended preseason in a lot of ways. And we're starting to see things turn around. We are. And and this is why I think the Toronto game is such a – it is actually good to look back on that game mm-hmm. because I, I, I think that this is going to be a real important test for the Celtics because all of the things that the Celtics have improved on uh, over the course of the Orlando, Miami, even the Dallas game, even though they lost that on the buzzer beater, the things that the Celtics have improved on are all of the things that Toronto is good at. Right. And, you know, getting in, getting to the rim, getting out in transition, offensive rebounding. The Celtics have improved in a lot of these areas here. So let's see how real this is. The, the, the Raptors are the best team at doing all of those things that the Celtics have faced so far. So let's see. Can, can they go out there on Wednesday night and actually play the type of defense that they've shown they can play and limit Toronto? If they can, now you say, all right, now we're really making some progress here. If they can't, it's like, all right, well, then then – there's they're they're further behind than we thought so what has been the defensive changes or what have been if i'm going to use proper grammar uh what have been the defensive changes that Ime Odoka's brought in because you know obviously like it seems like the raw parts are there for a very good defensive team seems like they're switching a lot more is that kind of the deal like are they doing like egregious like why are you switching this action type things as well like what what's been the deal with the defense and, you know, thinking about it in the context of the Raptors game. I mean, the Raptors obviously have not been a very good half court offense. I believe they're number 25 in offensive efficiency per cleaning the glass. They have been like pretty moribund there. They also have the league's lowest assist rate and they, 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 they just kind of get bogged down. You know, they bring Pascal Siakam back on Sunday. You would expect maybe he's got a little bit more sort of juice and legs to his game than he did on Sunday for Wednesday night's game. But like, how is the new look Celtics defense, you think, you know, sort of geared towards potentially stopping this Raptors team now that it's had some time to, you know, work on the, the quirks that weren't quite there in the first week of the season? So I think the number one thing that the Celtics have been doing is they've been helping a lot better. And and mm-hmm. yeah, Imei brought in, the, the whole thing was switch, 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 switch. And the... Uh, it, it really, he put it in and went kind of overboard with it on purpose where mm-hmm. he said, let's, let's just really hammer home switching everything, like switch everything this way. Guys can learn basically how to, how to communicate, how to right. handle the switches, how to, you know, read, uh, the, 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 what the offense is doing and, and accommodate for like, oh, they're going to slip. This is how we're going to react when they slip the screen on the switch. So all of those things, he admittedly, they went overboard. I call it a sort of immersion therapy for, <laughs> for the Celtics, where it was never going to be the level of switching defense that it was to start the season. But because it was so obvious that the, they are switching Gee, you just look in a certain direction, and they're going to switch. <laughs> and like, so it became a big topic of conversation. And, and Ime was like, look, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason, to get these guys comfortable with the switching because you have guys coming in from other systems that didn't switch a lot. You got mm-hmm. guys in, in Boston like Robert Williams who didn't, ha- didn't switch really, but now he's going to be out guarding the perimeter, which is completely new. And he had a real tough time kind of navigating all of that stuff. 
now that they've kind of gotten through that portion and now are, are instituting a lot more drop coverages, switching but not switching one through five, switching one through four, switching certain actions but not every action, that type of stuff has settled them down a little bit. They've kind of figured out the communication a little bit more, and they're helping a whole lot more. And, and really with the, the first Toronto game, there were a lot of breakdowns where yeah. you, you guys just got like red carpet – you know, here's the rim. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and I think I think what we've seen over the Celtics over the past few days, and really over the past five games, is a, a much more communicative, helping defense that will at least prevent some of that from happening. And and hopefully, as they go on, they can prevent more of it from happening. Yeah, that's really well put. And, and you know, this is a really fascinating matchup when it comes to that because, you know, the Raptors, like I said, low assist rate. They've been an ISO heavy quite a bit this season. And so I think they're comfortable sort of working in one-on-one situations and trying to find mismatches. It's just there's not that many mismatches to exploit when the Celtics are at their best, right? Like maybe if you get Al Horford on a switch on the perimeter, you can blow by. But he's Al Horford. Like he's got that figured out, in, in, you know, from many, many years of being seasoned. Uh, you know, Robert Williams, like really tough to get space against. He's just so fluid and quick on the perimeter. You're probably waiting for like bench guys to come in, frankly, if you're going to be hunting those matchups because there's not really someone in that starting five that you can kind of say, all right, Pascal, this is your food. Go eat it type of thing yeah. throughout the game. Um, so that's going to be a fascinating sort of storyline to watch in this game. I, I want to let you throw some Raptors-related things my way, John. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, we should probably tell the good people out there about Built Bar, uh, the best-tasting protein bars you can find. They're amazing, and they have a wonderful array of flavors, and they're flavors that will bode well for you in Thanksgiving season. John, you guys celebrate Thanksgiving at a weird time, too close to Christmas for my liking, but either way... American Thanksgiving is coming up, and that means uh, you got lots of desserts that are going to be going down your gullet. Well, what if instead of having that 300-calorie piece of pecan pie, you had yourself a Built Bar instead? You can still have all the indulgent stuff you want for the dinner, but maybe your dessert is where you say, oh, you know what? I'm going to be smart here and have something that's better for me. Most Built Bars have only 130 calories and just 4 grams of sugar, plenty of protein protein as well. Protein? They're maybe pro your team. I'm not sure. They're pro the U.S. track and field team. I know that. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar. Replace a raspberry built bar with that raspberry, sorry, raspberry pie with that raspberry built bar. You get lots of great flavors to replace any pie or sweet treat you might want to have around the holidays. They're low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built bar is great. Uh, it's a great option when you're hungry. And if it's, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's not too soon enough for you, it doesn't mean you have to wait. You can have a built bar now. You can have two right now. It doesn't matter. You can share some at your family gatherings. I'm imagining. John walking into his Thanksgiving gathering with just a bucket full of built bars, tossing them out to the people across the room. That sounds like a great thing to me. And those flavors that he might be tossing out to his family members are, could be some of the limited time flavors that appear at built.com regularly. So go check out the site. It's the holiday season. They got lots of seasonal flavors in there. And there's nothing as well like a built bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar because Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. All right, John, grill me. Throw me some Raptors questions, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, let me start with this. Pascal yeah. Siakam's back. How much is yes. he going to screw up what you guys have been doing? <laughs> Ooh, the spicy American question. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to screw it up at all. I, I think it's going to take some time to sort of figure out the hierarchy and the pecking order. I would imagine if you're Gary Trent Jr., you're probably going to be taking fewer shots just because you should probably take fewer shots when you're the fourth or fifth best player on the floor at any given time. Um, but I, I like I think in a lot of ways, Pascal makes it easier for everybody else and kind of knocks everybody down one spot in the pecking order and kind of puts guys in a position to really succeed. I think you're going to see with OG Ananobi, who you know has carried an enormous usage rate so far this season and just like a huge burden offensively. He's been trying to create for the team quite a bit. Sometimes he gets bogged down. Sometimes he blows by dudes and yams on them. It's kind of been a 50-50 proposition, but... I think the opportunities that OG is going to get to exploit, you know, a rotating defense, a defense that's not totally paying attention to him as the number one option, it's only going to help him. I mean, he's been a really effective catch and shoot guy. He's a wonderful cutter. You know, he can work coming off of screens and getting downhill. And I think he's going to get to do a lot more of those things where he scores efficiently because Pascal is in tow and Pascal gets to be the guy who's sort of the hub of the offense. And that's going to be a huge thing. I think Fred Van Vliet, has to initiate fewer than 100% of the offensive possessions now, which is very good because as great as Fred Van Vliet is and as you know refined as his passing has become this season, he's got that mid-range game as a bit of a counter. You know, he's still not a sort of true blue number one, have the ball in his hands every single possession type of point guard. And that's okay because he's a wonderful relocation point guard who can bomb threes away on you like nobody's business. And I think having Siakam back, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, Fred running every every pick and roll or starting every action. It can be Pascal at the top of the arc running a pick and roll, running a dribble handoff, and Fred can make use of his really great relocation on the rest of the floor. And then again, you're kind of, you know, shoving everyone down one spot. The one guy who it could affect sort of shot-wise is the guy who tormented the, the Celtics in the last game, which is Scotty Barnes. He had 25 points in that game. You know, he only took seven shots in Siakam's first game against the Nets on Sunday. He had foul trouble, so it's probably not a super indicative number, but... I don't think he's going to be putting up 19 attempt games very often now that Pascal is back. And, you know, you could argue whether that's a good thing or not. I think he's going to have a lot of easy buckets, though. I think he's still going to be able to crash the offensive glass the way he did in that Celtics game and has done all year and, and get easy points out of that. And I, I also think the other thing that Siakam really helps with is they can have good players on the floor for the entire stretch of games. You know, they're not going to be doing these sort of one starter with four bench guys staggered groups. They've seemed pretty... Uh, you know, on Sunday, at least they seem pretty sort of focused on making sure that two of their four best guys, which is Barnes, OG, Siakam and Fred were out there together, which I think just kind of makes them a better, more sort of well-rounded team across 48 minutes. So contrary to what your American ass might think, John, Pascal <laughs> Siakam will not ruin the Raptors, even if it might take a few games here for things to kind of figure themselves out and have everyone kind of reestablish their new roles now that he's in tow. That's that's basically that's all I wanted to hear because I know it's going to take a little bit of time for yeah. Pascal to like look. This is it's, it's certainly not a knock on on Siakam. It's it's more of just a things have been going okay for yeah. for Toronto and now you're throwing Siakam in there and it's it's just new and it's gonna it's gonna throw the timing off I think. And it's just Celtics people and their damn Ewing theory, man. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um it's it's kind of wild to me how this year's Raptors team has kind of flipped from last year's Raptors team 
this year's Raptors team is top 10 in two point. Like I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the league ranks rank right now. Mm-hmm. Number three in two point attempts. Yep. Number 23 overall in three point attempts. Yep. Flip that from last year where you were fourth overall in three point or three point attempts. How does the team go from one year to the next and change so drastically? I mean, is it, it can't just be Kyle Lowry, is it? No, I mean, look, I think you have to take everything that happened last year with an enormous grain of salt because it was like a fake season for the Raptors. They were good, yes. and then their best players all got COVID at the same time, and they went 1-13 in 13 in the month of March because no one was around. And I think, you know, the back half of the season, I kind of think about it the same way that I think about garbage time in an NBA game. There's a reason cleaning the glass adjusts for garbage time. It doesn't mean anything. I would <laughs> argue that the back part of last season doesn't matter a whole lot either. You know, you had Gary Trent Jr. coming in and, you know, he was probably responsible for most of those threes because he was just coming in and firing away, you know, without much conscience, which, you know, it was fun to watch, I guess. There wasn't really anything to, to, to else to get excited about. Chris Boucher put up a ton of threes. Like, that team needed to put up threes because they had no other pathway to scoring, no other pathway to winning. They had no rim pressure whatsoever. They had no pick and roll threat with their bigs. And now there's a little bit more in terms of guys who can get downhill, who can get to the basket. You know, OG has gotten a lot better with it, even though there's still some room for refinement in terms of his finishing through contact, stuff like that. Scotty Barnes just lives at the rim. And like, I think, you know, a big part of why they get so many twos is that they miss a lot of their other shots and collect offensive rebounds. And those tend to be shots from two feet away. So that's probably juicing up those numbers a little bit as well. And I just think, you know, they... I think they value easy twos. You know, every team values easy. That's an easy, not very intelligent thing to say. But, like, I think they know that their bread is buttered around the rim right now. I think they know that, you know, Scotty Barnes can be an easy source for them. I think they know Kem Birch can be a source of eight points in the paint as he flashes to the the key. I think Precious Achua as well, you know, as much as he's sort of dabbled in shooting threes, he's really doing his damage around the rim as well. They just got a lot of guys who are rim-based. And then you got like Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet as well. And, you know, they've worked in this mid-range game. Trent kind of always had it, but he's really been going to it a lot this season as a counter to really strong closeouts. And Van Vliet's kind of had to establish that sort of 18-footer because he can't really score at the rim. And he needs that extra option to either make it easier for him, draw the defense out so there's a little bit more space for him to operate when he does blow by a guy, or just as a, you know, instead of me trying a layup, Maybe I can make this my new layup type of thing. Um, you know, I would expect they're probably going to go back up in three-point percentage or like just the sort of shot share now that Pascal is back because he does a lot of that sort of post-up and then kick and swing type of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would expect that some guys, they work into the rotation. I'm sure Malachi Flynn will get some more run here. He's pretty three-point heavy in a way that Delano Banton is not, for example. You know, it's been, I would say, more small sample weirdness, but also like they're, they're getting their buckets at the rim that's where they've been most successful. So why not keep doing it? I guess. I mean, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, especially when you can get out into transition the way you do, like even if you miss in transition, you follow it up and sure that makes total sense. Uh, which brings me to Scotty Barnes. Yes. And I'll wrap up my ask Sean Woodley, anything. <laughs> segment. Um, I mean, yes, he is the best player of all time. Uh, yes. Okay, great. Yep. Thank okay. you. Well, then, then we're done. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he sure looked like that against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how surprised like just tell me how much you love scotty barnes and how surprising is it like when you know take us to the draft 
and mm-hmm. when your reaction when he was picked and now when you see him playing is it is there like a oh oh okay kind of thing mm-hmm. going on yeah i mean at the draft i think i had talked myself into Suggs just because that's what everyone was telling me to do uh i don't really profess to know much about the draft so i just go on what smart people say and use those points as my own basically um always sourcing them but uh still like I, i'm not a draft person by any means so I like I was expecting Suggs. I think I was excited about the idea of like handing the keys over from Kyle Lowry to another guard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when the Raptors decided to take the six foot nine dude who plays really good defense and passes well, I you know I'm not upset because they have a track record of turning those guys into something special. So I, I, I'm not surprised he was the guy that they wanted. You know, just sort of looking at their track record. And I, I, I certainly, however, am surprised by how ready he looks to be an NBA player. I mean, he's just He's enormous. He's six foot nine. To me, he looks like he's seven foot three when he's on the floor. He just looks like he he takes up more space than other people. His arms go for days. He's just everywhere. And he just has this like patience about him where a lot of rookies and like, you know, veterans sometimes you'll see them kind of, oh, the clock is this. And oh, you know, we have this this sort of matchup. I got to, you know, expedite this immediately and start the offense right away. He just like, you know, I'm Scotty Barnes. You guys can move at my speed. It's fine. I will find the right option. I will find the right passing outlet or whatever, or I'll take my own shot and it's fine. And, and I guess that's the most surprising thing is the fact that he's like bombing threes, not threes, bombing mid-range jump shots, like basically every game. And, and that's been a delight to watch. Very surprising wrinkle to his game that nobody expected him to have. I mean, he was branded as a zero level scorer coming out of college from a lot of people. And, you know, he now is like, automatic around the basket because he's got that touch and feel which maybe shouldn't be totally surprising and now he's got that mid-range game that he's working in as well which i think is just kind of a testament to you know his ability to, to add to his game the raptors development staff and all of that it's been a pleasant surprise but like when you think about it raptors draft six nine guy fourth overall with incredible tools who can't quite shoot doesn't exactly surprise you that they've turned him into something good already and, and i'm really excited for what it could be down the line yeah, yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. Uh, but would it be safe to say that you wouldn't have bet on Scotty Barnes being this good so so far? You're just a damn pro, John. Do the read. <laughs> <laughs> bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball, football, whatever action this season head on over to the updated desktop and mobile website sign up today use the promo code locked on you're going to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit make sure you use that promo code locked on whatever it is that you want to bet on basketball football nhl boxing ufc could have bet on that canelo fight the other day uh your favorite vegas casino games take advantage of the amazing offers right now bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. So we got a game on Wednesday night. There is a game. We should talk about the game. Yeah, we should. Uh, in terms of, <laughs> so yeah, let me let me kind of start off with this. Um, in, in terms of like matchup stuff that you're intrigued by in the second edition 
of this matchup this season. Obviously, they've played each other a bazillion times before. We know, you know, the Jalen Brown guards Pascal Siakam pretty well. Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum, has trouble with the Raptors' defense. He said it as much himself. Um, is there a specific matchup you're intrigued by tonight, you know, in terms of how things kind of stack up, you know, a little bit of an edge that one team might have over the other? Well, what do you have your eye on? Well, I, I, so I'm actually I'm really interested in what you said about Jason Tatum because Tatum is going to be the obvious focal point with no Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. who's going to be out for at least a week or so. The focus is going to be on on Tatum. And we're starting to maybe see this evolution from Jason Tatum. If, if, if the, this past week is showing us anything, it might be like, you know, you, you see a little kid, you take that first step and maybe he falls back and you're like, oh, 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 maybe Tatum making quick decisions, getting rid of the ball, but then now finding a way to get it back. I want to see that level from Jason Tatum because what we've started to see from Tatum is, okay, he's getting blitzed. Now he's giving the ball up. Can he get the ball, first of all, make a decision quick enough to attack the defense before getting blitzed? Mm -hmm. Secondly, can he get the ball? And if he can't make that decision fast enough or the, the double comes quickly, can he get rid of the ball and then find a way to cut do whatever, set a screen, get the ball back, mm-hmm. and score. Uh, we saw against the, the the Mavs the the two edges of this sword, where for the first 30, 40 minutes of the, I'd say forty minutes of the game, forty a little bit more than that, Tatum was playing as good a game as I've ever seen him play, and it mm-hmm. wasn't just that he was hot shooting; it was that he was snatching those rebounds, bringing the ball right down the middle of the floor, making decisions, moving the ball, starting the offense. It was awesome. And he had, he had a great shooting night. Then over the course of the last few minutes of the game, especially the Celtics didn't get a shot or didn't score a bucket over the last few minutes. Tatum didn't get a shot over the last four minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And it was like, as soon as the Mavericks started doubling him and he gave up the ball, he never was able to get it back. Right. So that's what I want to see. I want him to to have a few days of film. I want him to have a few days of preparation. And if he can't, if we can't see some sign of him trying it in this game, then it's going to be just a touch disappointing. Not that I think it's never going to happen, but here it is fresh. Mm-hmm. And Ime Odoka talked about it in the, in the media sessions after the pa- the past couple of practices. This is a focus, and so I want to see. The execution doesn't even have to be successful. I just have to see it attempted and I want to see what they're trying to do because that's going to happen a lot over the course of his career. I want to start seeing what those steps are going to be. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see how the Raptors actually defend Tatum in this game because we know their whole MO with stars the last couple of years has been, all right, send two to the star and deal with the rest on the other side and count on your rotations and your discipline and the fact that you're on a string to make it so you're all right. They are probably going to start small in this game, which is one thing that should be noted. It sounds, you know, that's what they did on Sunday. I would imagine they're going to do it again, especially since Kem Birch is not available. Uh, He'll be missing the next two games, at least for the Raptors, which is a bummer because Kem Birch is fun and cool and stabilizes things. But the starting five of Van Vliet, Trent, Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes has an interesting sort of advantage that it can pull out, and it can just switch a whole bunch. And, like, I don't think you're upset if any one of Ananobi... 
Barnes or Siakam, even Gary Trent with the way he's been just an absolute ball pest this season. I don't think you're upset with any of those mismatches if you just switch those guys onto Tatum. And, and so I'm curious to see, like, are they going to be their, their hyper-aggressive selves or do they look at this team that doesn't have Jalen Brown available? So that's like one less outlet for Tatum to sort of dish it to. Do you trust that Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, uh, you know, Robert Williams and Al Horford are going to burn you if you do send to to Jason Tatum. It's a really interesting sort of uh, philo- philosophical thing that I'm curious to see how the Raptors go with it. But that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. And then I guess the other thing, too, is can the Raptors, if they're going to play small, which, again, I expect them to do, like, do they sort of exploit the rebound advantage they had the last time the Celtics played them? Um, right now, the Raptors are number three in rebounding rate. They're number one in offensive rebounding rate by a mile. The Celtics are bottom 10 in defensive rebounding rate, bottom 10 and over bottom three in overall rebounding rate. Like, how does that kind of play in here? Because even if the Celtics have their like really, you know, stout switch heavy defense and have kind of mastered it, I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, if they're going to get slammed on the offensive boards again, because that's what the Raptors do. Is there, you know, have they done any tweaks to kind of work around that? Do you feel like the Williams Horford front court against the smaller Raptors configuration will be enough to withstand? I'm curious how you sort of think that's all going to play out. Well, yeah, I I think, you know, we look at the overall uh, rebounding percentage. I'm just adjusting for the last three games, hmm. they've moved up to 20th, which is when, <laughs> you, when, you, when you go from 27 <laughs> to 20, you've moved up seven. So I can say the spin zone is the mm-hmm. Celtics have moved up seven spots over the last three games. A quarter defense. of the league it, almost, yes. sort of. Uh, so they are they are getting better, but they, they are, are certainly not where they need to be. Uh, mm. In the defensive rebounding rate, they're still 18th overall. Uh, over the last three games, looking for like the improvement there, this this has to be a point of emphasis because if they if they come out after the last Raptors game and they start giving up offensive rebounds, then the first thing people should say is, "Do you guys watch any film? You keep <laughs> saying you watch film, but did you do you not like this is all set up for the Celtics to correct a mistake, to right a wrong, if you will." Mm-hmm. Because they that was the Celtics' home opener. Yeah. And they got booed off the floor, blown the hell out, and everything went wrong. So if they're not looking for uh, bodies to to hit when a shot goes up, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Right? Like, if you're not getting back on defense, what are you doing here? These are the things that that cost you the game against this team. You have this unique opportunity with three days off to correct some of the things you've been doing wrong, the slippage and all that stuff, but to also game plan for what you're hoping is your first home win of the season. Mm-hmm. This really is an important game for Boston. Like, and it's not a must win, but they've lost three games in a row at home. They have this loss, um, and then they have the 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 Chicago meltdown right before this trip. So it's, you can't go back into the garden and lose to the Raptors again. Mm-hmm. This, this, so I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to like blow it out of proportion, but this is an important early season test. Like I said before, you know that they've, they've crushed you on the boards, mm-hmm. like absolutely crushed you on the boards. Um, 
So you have to fix that. You know, they crushed you in transition. You've got to fix that. And you know that if you can set your defense and get them into the half court, you can stop them and you can get out into transition and make up for the loss of Jalen Brown that way. So it's really onto the Celtics defense, which is supposed to be what Ime Odoka's, you know, entire reputation is based on what is supposed to be what a lot of these Celtics reputations are, are based on. So all of the things that you're mentioning, like, yeah, it's a fear it, but it's, it's partly of it. Part of it is the fear that, geez, I hope they don't screw this up again. <laughs> like, and I don't want to take credit away from Toronto because you, you know, you have to, that's the one thing that I was saying before the game was, look, if you, if you mess around with the Raptors, like they're not just, a team that might be in a little bit of disarray and figuring itself out or whatever, that that's a team that's always going to play their asses off. No yeah. matter who's on that team, that mm-hmm. team is going to work hard. And you know, Sean, in the NBA, working hard is going to win you a few games every season, no matter who you are. Like, it might win you 35 just by trying. Right? <laughs> you know, so it's like the teams that just try every night. Look at the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets are a team that try Every night, like give them credit. They try every day and, and they're picking some teams off here and there. They're not great, mm-hmm. but they're either losing tough games or they're in it. Um, so anyway, I, I just, I, I think this is a, a really, really important test for the Celtics because they have supposedly improved over the past few games and all of the things they need to do to, to beat a Toronto Raptors team. Uh, they're supposed to be better at all of the things that Toronto does well and stopping those things. So if they can't, if they can't keep them off the boards, if they can't do all this other stuff, then that that could be like a new most disappointing loss because you actually had time <laughs> to prepare for this. Like, you watch The Simpsons? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Remember when when Bart um, actually like he he prayed for the snow day and he actually studied and like he failed and and Mr. Krabappel was like, yeah, what do you do? You fail all the time, but he was like, he's crying. He's like. But I actually tried in this one. I actually <laughs> tried. He's like bawling. And I'm like, that's that's what the Celtics will be if they lose this game to the Raptors, especially if they lose in a similar way that they lost the first one. Love to leave things off on a Simpsons reference. I, I find it offensive as a almost 30-year-old white guy uh, that you had to ask me if I've ever watched The Simpsons before. Come on, I dude. Know. I know the stereotypes. I lead into them. It's fine. <laughs> um, but one last note I wanted to make just before wrapping up is I think um, it, this could be a game where Nick Nurse does the thing where he coaches it like it's a playoff game. It's the first yeah. night of a back-to-back. Their second night is in Philly against the depleted Sixers team, so maybe they don't need sort of full steam ahead to even win that game. And I wonder if, especially Pascal Siakam, is only going to play the first half of the back-to-back. If we see something like we saw against the Knicks a week and a half ago, where the Raptors like sold out, played other guys 40 minutes, didn't make it a sub in the entire third quarter just to win the game. This could be one of those Nick Nurse feel type games where they try to, you know, put out all the stops. But um, that feels like a good place to leave this one, John. This was a lovely time, as always. Love chatting with you about uh, the Raptors and Celtics whenever they play. And uh, where can people check out all of your wonderful work? Oh, well, my wonderful work is nowhere to be found, but my other work <laughs> is all over. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. Uh, I'll tweet it all out, but I do cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. And obviously, Monday through Friday on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, which is free everywhere podcasts exist and on YouTube.
There you go. Uh, thank you, as always, for making, uh, I guess, Locked On Sraptics uh, <laughs> your first listen of the Let's day. Let's launch that. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, just the podcast where everyone hates each other who listens to it. That's a good way to build a community, right? Um, but yeah, you can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can read my blogs at raptorshq.com and uh, so much more. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon with another Locked On crossover or probably just our own versions of the podcast after the Raptors and Celtics play. Bye-bye.